0: Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vierman. I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. Also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. This is kind of a new feature that we've been doing on the last few episodes, and now we're making it's kind of its it's own thing, a tag on that we like to release uh, later in the week after the initial podcast. It's a listener mailbag. Uh, As you guys know, we've been asking you to submit stuff on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, and you guys have been doing it. So our producer, Maxie Boy, is going to curate the questions, we're going to answer some for you. Let's do it, Max.
1: All right. This is from At history. This is a good question. I just started a new job before COVID-19. It's been tricky getting to know people at company due to the office closing. Do you have any advice for socializing and making good impression on a company 20-person thirsty Thursday Zoom call? That, let's start with uh, you, Shane. <laughs> oh, this is
2: easy. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> have any advice for that. no because that'd be so awkward because if you if like you've seen the the some of the timing issues here just doing this podcast and we're very very close with each other Uh, you're just uh, opening yourself up for a huge failure like just wait till things resume as normal (laughs) um mike what do you got
0: i would uh i would like say like there's like 12 I, I did he say how many people would be on the call like on the zoom mm, he's like, a 20 person
1: the 20 person call
0: there you go so you guys so like when those when the 20 people go up and you're on the grid uh and you're the new person i think you just sort of chill if somebody like asks you a question maybe you have something prepared maybe you, you kind of like a couple jokes about like just the fact that you're the new guy let them you know let them know that you know that this is incredibly awkward um and just sort of acknowledge the situation and then sort of like chill back. I, I would chill back in that situation, like Shane said, and maybe wait for the uh, wait for things to get back to normal. But I don't know. It's also tough. You kind of got to make an impression. You're the the new person. I, I don't know. It, it's a very difficult situation, and I don't know. I mean, I know how I would do it, but I again, like you don't want to say, hey, get out there, make an impression. And then, you know, Leafs history is like, yeah, so I made like three jokes and now I don't have a job. You know, I don't want to be given bad advice.
2: Well, the Here's anxiety, I sorry, see, uh, I was just going to say the anxiety after you tell a joke is probably amplified by 200 percent on Zoom because there's that extra pause after you're finished talking and you're just wondering, is it going to connect with a laugh in the next po- half a second?
0: Also, here's the issue. I was on a, I was in a meeting uh, on Friday with like 20 people or something like that. Uh, and I was sort of, you know, doing, I was explaining what I needed to explain. Uh, and then at the end, um, I, like I realized as I was talking that I was talking very fast. There was like a ton of people from sort of the company and all that stuff. And, um, and then at the end, I'm like, and I realized that I'm talking very fast right now. I'm like, uh, but I, I don't talk to a lot of people anymore. So this is really exciting for me. So the thing is, everybody that is on those things though is on mute. So I got nothing back after I said, like after I hung a lantern on the fact that I was talking so fast, but I could see in the grid, everybody was laughing, but, but it was, it was actually jarring and a little bit concerning that I heard no response after a joke. So beware of that leafs history. If you do say something funny, uh, that you might not hear the response, you're gonna have to look at all the faces and hope to see them laughing.
1: You know, um, I'm I'm a believer that like group hangs even in person are kind of hard. You know what I mean? Like if I want to have like a substantive like uh night or getting to know somebody, it's like two to three people at most a lot of times if there's like 15 20 people around it's hard to really like get to know somebody. Um but I, so I'd say don't zoom calls are not anywhere to begin. I think starting with group chats is really good and being equipped with the right gif is really smart. So it's like how do you like interact with your colleagues? And like when someone says something, you throw a Tiger King GIF back at them about like I killed Carol Baskin or something. You know, something sort of topical, something that kind of shows <laughs> off your personality a little bit. So because I, yeah, I don't think Zoom is the platform for you if you're trying to get to know your colleagues. But I think getting getting group chats going is really good because if you if you you can exude your personality and your good vibes in like iMessage chat groups and I, I recommend starting there and then everything else you do Zoom calls, etc. will make more sense. That's that's my suggestion. Um, okay. Uh, next question. Okay. What is the other thing you could talk about nonstop, aka a second podcast but isn't the obvious things like basketball, music, movies, kids, etc. What is one random thing you know a lot about? That's from Tasty Gardener. Let's start with you, Mike.
0: Oh, that's a great question. I feel like we need to start prepping these beforehand, Max, so that we can think of an answer. Because mm. on the spot, it's almost harder to think of an answer. Do, you, do you want me to send um, this to you right now? Uh, oh, do you have like a doc? Yeah, a docu- well, no, Ash- you know what? For this one, we'll just keep going. Okay, we'll just keep going. But maybe in the in the future, we can prep answers. Cool. Because um, I see, I do see some of them. I'll scroll through the old messages and see some of them. I didn't see this one, Tasty Gardener. This is a good question. Um, I mean, an obvious answer for me is Star Trek. I mean, that's a TV show. You said no movies, no TV shows. What would be an interesting thing that I could just talk about on a podcast that isn't any of the obvious things? My goodness. The universe, maybe? Like space, outer space? I'd love to talk about sort of like um, the origins of sort of the, the, the Earth. And, and uh, you know, um, yeah.
1: I think you can get pretty philosophical about stuff, Mike. I think you are like very good at like talking about like grander like societal issues you have a very good like 30,000 feet observations on like sort of like politics and not conspiracy theories but just like i don't know i think i think you have like a pretty good like general knowledge of like history and like pop modern pop culture but in a smarter way than just like a pop culture show do you know what i mean like so th- that we wouldn't really get Shush, to that I'll, on you, on a podcast but just like sort of like the mechanics of society, you'd have a pretty good – that's that's vague, but you'd have a pretty good handle on, I think. I'll
0: do it. I'll do it. Let's start a podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. Shane, I'm
2: in. what about you? Uh, I feel like I could talk endlessly about a video game called Toe Jam and Earl. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's for PlayStation. It's also for Sega Genesis. I'm <laughs> on an app called Discord, which just has a bunch of video game nerds, and I chat with those people quite a bit because I have no one else to talk about the game with. I'm also pretty good at like uh, relationship advice. Uh, mm. Many many people in my life have come oh. come to me for that and talking about like babes and whatnot. <laughs> 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 no, that's true. That's, that's I, w- good. I mm-hmm. would
0: if you did if you did like a pod where you just gave comical relationship advice it would be that would be very 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 good and i think become very popular
2: and just general life advice i feel like people come to me for that often you know what's interesting shane is that
1: you know we've been doing these daily music classes and i've been getting a bit of that like life advice kind of questions about what should i do with my future kind of thing and people seem to like my responses and i've been told that by like other friends that like i'm have sort of like uh, my dad's a social worker i have that kind of social worker kind of vibe. But and, but you and I are very different. I think you get a lot of praise for giving really good advice too. Like the nut comes to you and, and asks for your opinion on, on what's going on in his life. Um, but, we, but we're but we very, I think the advice we give are, is, is somewhat different. It's quite different actually. We shade the world in different ways. But I think... Uh, and we had different styles, but we both would be considered pretty decent at
2: giving advice. Giving advice isn't that kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think we're more similar than you think. Like, I feel like you skew me different than I am. No, maybe I think you're just like assessment
1: of people. Um, that is where we differ. Where like you're you have a more critical eye, and I think and I really like listening to you give advice because because you be like no no his intentions are this, and then I go oh, oh yeah. I never would have thought that's what that person's intentions were but the way you lay it out I'm like oh wow like, where I'm more like simple about it I suppose and, and, and I think both of you guys are, have a lot more of a critical eye than I do when it comes well, to like, assessing human dynamic to, uh, in situations because
2: you're like the, uh, the hottest girl in the room at all times right like, uh, so everyone's kissing my ass so everyone's kissing your ass so you kind of yeah, have a enough. distorted view of, of people maybe or yeah, how no, a person yeah. is because they treat you differently than they might treat someone else You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, I'd say, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, No, but
1: I mean, uh, band acclaim aside, I think I've always had that disposition too. Like, I don't think, sure, like people treat me a certain way and maybe I've gotten used to that, but I I think I've always had a general, like a pretty similar impression of people throughout my whole life. I think one thing that I could probably talk about is um, like sort of like, this is I'm probably not qualified to talk about this at all, but like organizational, like psychology and like teamwork and stuff. Cause I think about that a lot. And I think I have a lot to say on it when it comes to, you know, kind of teamwork, like whether it's band stuff or this, or, uh, you know, I feel like everything I do is part of a, part of a collective and not to yeah. say that I'm like the greatest leader or anything like that, but I, but I definitely think about it a lot and yeah. that would be something interesting I could talk about. I think,
0: um, yeah i can see that yeah uh
1: okay uh hi guys big fan of the pod i'm a first year student at university of ottawa and my, as my year got cut due to corona uh, i was just curious about what your favorite craziest uni story is that's from michaela cober uh, which is kind of a funny very presumptive question <laughs> which is which is my favorite <laughs> thing about you two guys and i've said this before you two are, are some of the smartest guys i know and uh you you barely graduated high school I don't know if you i don't know if you even graduated high school which is something I proudly say to my friends I'm like listen just because you got that degree doesn't mean you're actually smart my two smartest friends couldn't <laughs> even get a get a fifty percent in grade thirteen so uh yeah well, uh, <laughs> but, but but we can say what was your crazy um, story from age 18 to 22 that you can tell on the podcast well maybe, maybe I'll st- I'll start just because uh, I saw the question ahead and then I texted (laughs) Dan Hamilton, uh, Chris Dickinson, my roommate um, in first year and lived in the house on Arkell for the next three. And Jay Kelly, who's on my floor in first year, he's a buddy of ours. And uh, I lived on Arkell with us as well. And they basically, for the last 10 minutes, have been just texting me one crazy story after the next. And 90% of them we cannot talk about on a podcast, uh, for sure. Um, okay, but here we go. Um, <laughs> there's, like, all of this is completely inappropriate. Um, but uh, the one thing that was I thought was kind of funny that Chris wrote was, um uh Chris Nectol, our buddy, woke up in a room full of poo the same night that Dave fell down Studio Fox <laughs> stairs and broke his wrist.
2: <laughs> oh man.
1: <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh yeah, this rings a bell. Like what happened? Like what?" Uh I was like, "Why did we get drunk that night?" And then um And it was like, and whose poo was it? And then, and Chris walked into the wrong house. So Chris lived in a student house and he went into the wrong house, which was like, I guess like some dweller was living there and he woke up and he had no idea where he was. I've done that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I was surrounded by like, uh, by, uh, women Like, uh, like young, young, (laughs) (laughs) young, young women, like they were awake and everything, but they were just like, they weren't scared. They were just amused. And they were like... You, you don't live here, what are you here? And I was like, I know Dan Hamilton, I know fucking university, I am I go to university. And they're like, what's wrong with you? I'm drinking, I drank three doorbells full. And the, 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 the only reason I know this is because it's not because it's from my memory, it's because they messaged the whole story to Dan Hamilton on the, the antics of me uh, wandering into their house, Me me refusing to leave, sleeping on their couch, and then they just said <laughs> he says he knows you and it's like that's his key, uh, like key to the city kind of like knowing Dan Hamilton because he was the only person i <laughs> the only person's name i could remember in university and this was a university house that that allowed me to somehow sleep on their couch but anyway yeah that was like one of the craziest things i've ever done is just walk into a random house and spend the night there Uh, Jay
1: kelly just texted me we we thought we almost burnt the house burnt down the house when we smoked a one ounce joint in my room with 14 people who didn't smoke and were high uh by being in the room and we went to pita pit and on the way back we saw fire trucks on the street luckily
2: it was across the street so that's a high guy moment (laughs) oh one Um, night one night we were at a i think you were there mike we were at a um a mcdonald's we were doing like a drive-through, but we were doing that thing when you're young and you don't have a car, where you try to get the the food on foot still. And sometimes if the workers oh, yeah. are nice, they'll give you the food. So we were able to extract.
0: Was this me, you, and Peak?
2: Yeah, me, you, and Peak, and we were able to get food from McDonald's. And then all of a sudden, just <laughs> girls pulled up, and they're like, "Hi, guys!" Yeah. And then we just hopped into their <laughs> car, and she took us to this like crazy mansion pool party, and we kind of like partied all night. That's right like she had a hot tub we and did. We, this big uh, pool. Oh, yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that and was... there was like a there was like a cascading waterfall from the hot tub and then you were under the waterfall like out of something cinematic. It was all very funny. Oh, and you guys were like spying were in, on like, me, little... yeah.
2: Cuz I think I yeah. think I ended up like <laughs> we uh, were... <laughs> fooling around with one of the girls or something.
0: <laughs> that was a fun Oh, yeah, yeah, under the waterfall yeah. and peak were it just was, giggling through night, the window.
2: kind
0: of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh that was a fun night, the drive through at the McDonald's on Dundurn.
1: Okay, uh, next one. Uh, this is from Cindy. Uh, thoughts on people post-testing social distancing? Uh, Cindy's in Atlanta. I know that. So uh, you maybe are seeing this a little bit more in America. We're seeing these, like, give me liberty or give me COVID signs. How much of are all of you keeping up with the news? Do you find yourselves paying more or less attention? Personally, I've checked out a bit for my personal sanity. Uh, but I think, yeah, the first part of the question is particularly interesting, which is, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on these these de- defiant acts uh, that we're seeing in a lot of American cities of people going the government can't tell me what to do um, yeah Mike what do you think
0: uh, I've seen a lot of interesting takes on it so the first instinct is to basically be like oh these people are so ignorant and they're you know putting themselves in danger and other people in danger and Patton Oswald actually had a tweet, he sort of he said something along the lines of like oh, you know Anne Frank hid in a you know in an attic for two years and these people can't go a week without Fuddruckers or whatever the tweet was yeah and it got a lot of retweets and likes but a lot of people jumped on it. And I guess the angle is essentially like there's so many people that actually can't afford to like they need to work. So like, you know, we hear this argument that like, oh, like the economy is coming to a grinding hole. And so it's like you have. OK, so here's my thoughts. I think the people that are out there protesting are like you have some people that are just sort of anarchists or they want to like sort of like go against the government and stuff like that. And then you probably have people that are actually genuinely like, hey, like we need to start the economy up again because it's like I can't afford to, 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 to basically feed my family. Um, so there's that. And they've also sort of been inundated with a certain type of media, like you know, super, super extreme right-wing media, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the thing that doesn't help is like, whatever these people's reason for going out and protesting and saying, you know, America, we are liberated people. You can't make us stay in our homes. Whatever the reason is that's putting them out there. I know the one thing that probably doesn't help is super rich people that actually aren't worried during this. They're like, just stay inside mm. for two months. It's because those people can afford to stay inside for two months. So it's it's hard. Again, this gets back to our conversation from last podcast about messaging, who's saying it, where it's coming from. Um, So like, it's really diff- And This is the whole thing with the Gal Gadot thing. It's like, it, 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 it doesn't ring well with people who are very concerned about not only where their next paycheck is going to come from, but how they're going to eat to hear someone like Patton Oswald say, hey, you're being an ignorant idiot. Don't ruin it. Like, stay inside, you idiot. Is it that hard? And for some people, the answer is, yeah, it actually is. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously, my thoughts are like, we should all stay inside. This is a pandemic. People are going to die. You know, I get all that. But I also sort of understand maybe some of the anger of the people, people that I went to high school with on my Facebook that are like, when are things going to start up again? You know what I mean? Like they're genuinely scared. They have families, things like that. Like I understand how antsy everybody is. And so it's hard for me to be like, just chill out. It's like, like, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to have a little bit of a cushion. So I try to have empathy that way for the people out there. That being said, the people that are just trying to like be anarchists or be like, fuck that. I'm I'm an anti-vaxxer. I don't tell me what to do. I think that's sort of a different thing. And, you know, those are my thoughts on it.
2: Shane? It does feel like the people are protesting know that their protest isn't going to do anything. In fact, it's going to make it worse. Like it's going to prolong all of this. So I don't think it's an intelligent move. It feels like a willful ignorance just to be like defiant. And also it feels like a lot of these people protesting, it's less about them actually going back to work and more about other people going back to work for them so they can put themselves in danger to meet their non-essential needs. Like um, I'm seeing a lot of signs with, people saying they want to get their hair cut, for example.
1: Yeah, I didn't see the the, the Patton tweet, but the Fuddruckers thing kind of sticks out to me. And I know he's a comedian. I know part of Comedian's whole deal is just, like, you're going to, like, insult people and make fun of people's, like, worst insecurities. But, like, uh, you know, as you're saying, Mike, about, like, celebrities being a little tone-deaf, Patton Oswalt is a rich dude that probably lives in L.A. And, like, as soon as you go after, like, the middle America thing, that just, like, anybody... Who was like, eh, maybe I'll you know, Trump, maybe not so much. Maybe maybe I'll vote for Biden. And then like, oh hold on a second. Patton Oswald is, is making fun of the fact that I like to eat at FUD Ruckers. You know what? Fuck him. I know he's campaigning for Joe Biden probably. And I'm just gonna vote for Trump again. I just think it actually does a disservice. I think it's
2: just as a comedian, you want to think of the funniest fast food chain name, and that one wins. <laughs> but to me, FUD Ruckers is like a middle America signifier. You know, I what love FUD Ruckers. Like, do you? Oh, it's amazing. Have you ever been? Uh, no, never been. All right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the off. other
1: thing... Yeah, it is funny. No, no, totally. And it's, whatever. It's a, it's a totally fine joke. I just think that there's, like, a bit of a disconnect when it comes to uh, people either making fun of the... Like, Okay, on one hand, I totally don't have any sympathy for people that are out there going, like, give me COVID or give me liberty or whatever. It's like you guys are being, I think, objectively foolish right now and pr- gonna prolong this thing, as you say, Shane. But on the other hand, you know, there's a lot of people struggling out there. A lot of people don't have backyards. A lot of people that are really poor, they're acting out. They're acting out in ways that if they had um, more in their lives, they probably wouldn't. If they had a really nice backyard and a flush bank account, They probably wouldn't be out there protesting, right? So it's just like, okay, you you have you have sympathy for their situation because I know I act out, you know, when the Wi-Fi wasn't working, fucking twenty minutes ago. So I understand that people can like be unreasonable. Um, Yeah, and then it goes to like, uh, yeah, back to the messaging angle. It's like, okay, how do you? How do you get these people to listen up? And I think there's always going to be a, se- a segment, though, of the po- population that are going to be like that. Like, I think, like, in Canada, there's probably, there are people. I, we saw this guy in Vancouver who was parading around the streets going, the government's telling us what to do. Fuck the government. Seth Rogen made fun of him in a funny way, I thought. Um, and I think in America, because it's 10 times the population of Canada, you just see, uh, and, and the news coverage is is more sensationalist. You just see that hap you, it, it's in your screen a little bit more but I think there's going to be no matter what country you're in a small portion of the population that are just going to be defiant even if they're mm-hmm. being foolish. I guess the point is is like is there any amount of shaming or making fun of them that can change their mind or is there like a better way to reach out to them to get them in in to go back inside <laughs> which which is
0: you know The thing is unless them or their family members get sick, they're going to think that they're right. You know what I mean? And that's it. They're basically just going to have to like, they're going to have to learn the hard way or they're going to feel justified in their defiance. And it's just kind of like this weird, sad situation, but they probably all think that we're weird and sad and we're all sheep that are just listening to our governments. But I don't know. I think that there's like critical thinking. And I think that there's like, there's, there's sort of like a reasonable amount of like, like I, I, I agree with you guys. Like I don't, like, I think what I think when protesting, like, the the sort of isolation measures um, and being defiant at this point is so. Um, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it at all. I'm just saying that, like, seeing the sentiment start to change on, you know, the discourse, just whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, people are starting to get antsy. Um, I have empathy for those people, even if I disagree or I would live differently. I'm just very much like, yeah. oh, I, I can kind of see where it's creeping in.
1: Yeah. The, the other thing, which yeah. is. Makes this matter more confusing, uh, especially for these people, is that in you know you look at the graph of America and and it's like it's skyrocketing and it's a real problem. It's worse than every other country in the world, but the the cases are mostly concentrated in you know New York City, Boston's really bad, and a bunch of other sort of urban centers. Meanwhile, then you know the rest of the country that's sort of like locked down as well, and there's probably a lot of communities that have hardly felt it. And are going, I don't get this at all. Like, why do I have to obey this, like, federal thing? And even though there's obviously good scientific reason to obey it, they just, like, it hasn't touched their life in any personal way, which exacerbates the whole thing. Because they're really like, why are we, why do we have to do what all these New Yorkers are doing? I I live thousands of miles away from these people. Fuck this. So, I, I get that instinct, but... Obviously, and that's why there's you know scientists uh, involved that are telling us what to do. Okay, uh, question for the mailbag. I'm like 90% sure I saw Mikey V in the Arkells kiss cam video, which inspires the question: What music video, <laughs> past or present, would make would Mike, Max, Shane, Erica want to be a cameo, and if they could or have a cameo, and if they could? Personally, I would want to be in Blink's uh, first date video. Were you in the kiss cam video, Mike?
0: I was. We shot it at uh, I think Edge Fest. Uh, I can't oh. remember who directed that video.
1: It was Maya and Nadia predict like-
0: Yeah, yeah, and everybody's staring into the camera. It's like kind of like these. It's kind of like this nice summer oh, vibe wow. thing, and they were getting shots from around there. And so I, I was walking. Our our band played there too. That 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 specific show. And I was walking. We were backstage. We'd done playing. We were just drinking. It was like a nice, awesome summer day. And uh, they were like, "Can we get a shot?" And we just stood there. I think I think Adam from the Reason might have been standing next to me in the shot. Oh, okay, There's just that one, sounds familiar. One quick clip uh and that's that's kiss cam yeah but um good eye uh what video would we want to appear in that's a good question thriller no actually maybe not that doesn't age well um i'm trying to think <laughs> of like iconic videos like uh you could say thriller be like, uh, what, what would like? <laughs> do the zombie dance yeah
1: um yeah i the only videos i can think of like are ones for my childhood because the more recent ones I don't have quite a good memory of. Um, I'd say, uh, oh, actually, you know what? This is America. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) Donald Glover. Are there any white people in that video? I don't think so. Maybe I couldn't be in that video. Uh, I think it's the point of the video. (laughs) I take that back. Um, I'll go with, um, is there like a Backstreet Boys video or a Britney Spears video? I'd be a Britney Spears backup dancer. I'm going to go with that.
0: No, you know what you got to pick? You got to pick a video that like is a house party, but actually is a house. Like You know you know how real videos are made where it's like it looks like, you know, Nelly looks like it's getting hot in there, but really it's probably not. It's like, I'm wondering if there's a video that like you you heard a story where it's like, oh no, that set was amazing. Everybody mm. had the best time. Everybody partied. Britney Spears was hanging out with everybody. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but that'd be the video I'd want to appear in because I think the experience of making the video would have been very, very fun.
1: Okay, I changed my answer. Um, Country grammar, Nelly. I was obsessed with that song and obsessed with that music video, and I love Nelly. So yeah, that that's what I'm going with.
0: If you speaking of videos that were fun to make, if our listeners want to go look up San Sebastian, Young Youth, uh, we shot that in Grand Bend, I think, <laughs> or maybe uh, Wasaga Beach. I can't remember Wasaga Beach. And we got very drunk. There was a whole thing we shot with like Ski-Doo's that we didn't use. We did a a bike scene where Sean fell off the bike and then that didn't make it. But everything you see in that cabin was so damn fun because we literally just, uh, we partied. And it was very, very fun video to make. Shane, you were there, right?
2: No, I wasn't there, but I helped. Like you didn't like the initial edit of the video, so I re-edited it
0: yes, we were on tour and we sent the video to you and you did an amazing cut. So when you see that video, Shane edited it
2: Well, it was just funny because although the Sea-Doo's, when you're on a Sea-Doo, it's very fun, right? But when you're in a (laughs) band that's supposed to be cool and you're all wearing life jackets and, you know, like it's not the coolest look and you were playing with like inflatable toys and pools and stuff. So I don't think they nailed the like Strokes vibe that you wanted to get on that first edit.
0: (laughs) No, no, no.
2: Uh, But a video I would want to be in is Blurred Lines by Robin (laughs) Thicke.
0: You (laughs) can't say that. That's what I'm talking about. Why not?
2: (laughs) No, I'm not even trying to be a perv. I just think it would be a fun, funny set if it's just like me kind of naked. Because I was on a set. Mike, do you remember? I was in a commercial like that and they cast me as the lead guy.
0: Do you remember? Yeah, the naked guy dancing on the the platform. Yeah.
2: No, not just that. Before that, the, the video was... Uh, five <laughs> naked girls and five naked guys, and we're walking down an empty street. Colin McRae directed it.
0: Yes. Yes. So yes, it's I just me that.
2: chilling with models and four model dudes, <laughs> and then just me, and we're all completely naked, minus this like little band-aid thing we're wearing over our dicks. Some guys were wearing other things, but. <laughs> Shane, would, would you, in the Blurred Lines video, would you be
1: one of the naked girl dancers? Like, would you, you wouldn't be a Robin Thicke's character. You'd be one yeah, of the Yeah, I naked would just people. be like
2: a naked guy dancing. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have like a bone or anything. I'd just be dancing. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Because uh, that's yeah. a fairly that's iconic video.
1: Yeah. Uh, we got a couple more and then we'll get out of here uh charlie the kid so what are your favorite short form podcasts like that are less than half an hour i'm gonna go with uh the gist from slate uh, i listen to it every single day maybe not for everybody but uh mike Pesca is one of the smartest thinkers and is able to distill like kind of the news of the day in a really interesting way uh, but of course i like the daily um i don't know I used to listen to Planet Money, which is usually about 20 minutes, but those are the ones that come to mind. What, what are you guys?
0: Uh, I was uh, I was going to say The Daily. The Daily was the only pod I listened to under the half hour mark, uh, but I haven't listened to that since the, the world changed. I, I kind of stay off of the, the news for the most part now, but The Daily was the one that I would listen to uh, under 30 minutes in, in the old life, as I call it. Shaney?
2: There's a new one out. It, they only have one episode so far, but I think it's the number one podcast in Canada right now, just with the one episode. And it uh, it's from the New Yorker, and they just it's about the effect of the internet and how it's had on all of us. It's pretty mm. interesting.
0: Okay, I listen to that.
2: Okay, last question, guys. Uh, the Last Dance premieres tonight. We're recording
1: this on Sunday. It'll be out by the time this podcast comes out. Um, What's your perception of Michael Jordan now, and how do you think that'll change after watching? Will you think he's a quote horrible guy, or will you respect how he played the game on and off the court? Um, that uh, that's a good that's a good question, and that is from John, I believe. I, I don't have his last name, but he's a very uh, active Twitter fan. So thank you very much for listening. Yeah, I mean the Jordan thing is interesting because you know he is known obviously as the greatest basketball player of all time. He's also kind of considered a really competitive asshole who didn't always treat people well. He had a gambling addiction, um, but he also lived in a time pre social media where you didn't really know him that well. You knew him for his glamorous, like Nike commercials and you knew him for his championships and his like press conferences. But um, yeah, how do you think this doc will change the way we see him, but also like I, how do you think he'd exist in today's game like I, do you think he'd be the same kind of guy, or do you think he's savvy enough to know that you can't act like that in you know twenty twenty uh Mike let's start with you i
0: think i think to the second question about how he would exist in today's game, I think the way that people perceived Kobe would be pretty close. Kobe was pretty close to Michael in the way that he would sort of like alienate teammates, how he would be incredibly difficult on them. If he had a teammate he perceived as like inferior, he would ride that person whether it was like Smush Parker or somebody. And people just kind of like you know, they kind of lionized Kobe uh, in spite of the fact that maybe he wasn't a great teammate. And then Kobe obviously became a lot better as a teammate in the last couple of years as he sort of softened up as far as Michael Jordan and the way that this doc will change the way people think about him. Here's what I think. I think basketball fans already know that Michael is sort of like, um, a maniacal competitive, maybe, um, uh, not the most uh, appealing person. Uh, so I, I feel like for basketball fans, this is going to sort of confirm all of the stories they've read, either in like the Jordan rules or like in articles or like from other players and stories like that. I think if the large po- larger population watches this documentary and it gets huge numbers because everybody's sort of indoors right now, I think there might be a lot of people that just don't think very much about Michael Jordan, the player and the person. They just think of him as the icon, the way that you think about Muhammad Ali or whomever. You'd just be like, you'd be like, oh, Michael Jordan. He's like Michael Jordan. And then they'll watch this and be like, holy shit, like Michael was a bad motherfucker and he was a kind of a dick and I wouldn't really want to play with him, but I got to respect how great he was. I just think so a lot more people outside of basketball fans might now think of him in the way that he truly is because apparently this documentary um, shows everything uh, from the good to the bad and Michael himself has said, I think a lot of people are going to think that I'm an asshole after watching this. Shaney?
2: Yeah, I think like what Mike said, like someone like my mom who knows him from Space Jam might be like he's like that but he wasn't like that with bugs but i think i think people who (laughs) like him now and know who he is are just going to love him even more because part of his legend is how much of a hard-nosed asshole he was and they love him for his competitive spirit and i think it's just going to enhance all the things we already know and like it's like the whole like we were having a conversation earlier about millennials being soft people love jordan because he wasn't and that he would fuck with people and all that shit
1: yeah, you know, the thing which is interesting with Jordan is that he kind of falls in this category that only a few get to go in, which is like Michael Jordan, Steve Jobs. Uh, name another person who is totally at the top of their profession and also an asshole. Because anybody else who's not them is just considered like fuck that guy.
2: They're an asshole. Like, um, Bo- who's the woman who runs Vogue? What's her name? Oh, like, Anna Wintour. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if,
1: yeah, if you can have that sort of disposition and be really competitive and treat people badly, but you're so undeniably great, uh, people will give you a pass, but and I, and I think only like five people in the history of like the world get to be in that category. And Jordan is one of them. Like anybody else who acts like Jordan, I would have no patience for whatsoever. And I'd be actively rooting against to fail at every step. But he i don't know he slipped through because he's so great and he kept winning and he kept delivering and um yeah G- Steve Jobs is probably considered like that for for a lot of people like in tech industry as a guy who like treated people badly and was an asshole but clearly he was such a visionary that you excused it and and and, the, and less and it's bad because there's a bunch of imitators that can never do what those guys do um, and just treat people badly. But, but if you are,
2: you know, one of those people, you can, I don't know. And is the fact that it's basketball. Does that make it any easier that he was just being mean in it, in the, in a, in the middle of a game to people while playing a game. And it was just because he loved the game. Like, does that soften it at all?
0: You know, it's a good question. I don't know. Like, I mean, I think apparently there's like a a thread here where uh there's like a younger player on one of his team on the team that like it's not just in the game it's like psychological warfare behind the scenes where he's trying to get them to deliver in the game so it's like it's almost like a workplace issue if you transpose it to like just the the basic humanity of it meaning like wow he made that guy feel like shit but then in game six of the finals he showed up and scored 23 points it was the greatest game you know things like that you hear to max's point if you get results it seems like people are willing to forgive uh I guess, a level of abusive behavior if you are the greatest. Um, And to Max's point, there's probably only like a handful of people that we all go, well, that's his methodology and the results speak for themselves. But in any other facet of life, we'd be like, yo, dude, like that's, you know, what you're doing is damaging to the people around you.
1: Yeah. And I'd even say like other people that are very successful at their jobs and are assholes, I'd still say, fuck those guys. You have to be
2: literally like, yeah, one of five people in the history of people. And I wonder if you're on Jordan's team if you hate him.
0: That's a great question. Like, or even you hear this with like film directors all the time. Like, oh, a James Cameron set is like the most intense place, and it's not a pleasant place to be. But then it's like, you know, he does Titanic, and everyone's like, oh, he's a genius, you know. And it's like, and then none of the actors are going to be like, yeah, that sucked. They're going to be like, oh, he got the best out of me. And I think all of Jordan's teammates mm-hmm. truly probably feel like, yeah, like I actually accomplished things I wouldn't have if Mike didn't push me that much. Um, but yeah, I know I always wonder if the results justify the journey. You, you know, know another, what I mean? Because like you said, what if you're just a dick and you lose? It's like... Well, another
1: thing that has probably happened with these guys is that, his teammates specifically, is that in the moment, they were probably like, I hate this. Like, I don't even care about winning. I'm, I'm making this up. But it's like, I wonder how much they resented him and that that feeling was put ahead of any of the accomplishments the Bulls, uh, you know, did it from 90 to 90. Was it 91, 92, 93, and 96, 97, 98? And then... But in the preceding years, people go, You were a champion. You played with Jordan. And they've been, all those guys have been getting the shine of Jordan. So I wonder if their memory and their feelings of that time have changed where they go, Ah, you know what? I fucking hated in the moment. I hated Jordan. I didn't even want to be there, but it has actually made my life way way better because i'm a champion and everybody kisses my ass all the time so
2: it was okay yeah i bet you their feelings have changed over the course of time yeah i've heard a lot of jordan stories and they're always told with a smile and a laugh so
1: okay let's wrap it up that's good